0: We all have areas in our life that we want to see changed, and for many of us, some of those areas could be in the arena of eating or weight obsession, body image preoccupation. So what we're going to talk about today is foundational for true, lasting, deep change in these areas, but also for change in all other areas as well. What might surprise you is that the first step toward deep change Isn't a pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. It isn't an act of your willpower. It isn't something you change at all. It's far more powerful and far more trustworthy than that. So please listen to both podcasts in this two part series for this most important help you will ever truly receive. Stay tuned. Welcome to the True Food Freedom and Faith Podcast. I'm your imperfect host, Cheryl Sharko, registered dietitian, nutritionist, and biblical counselor. Here to get real with you, my sisters in Christ. Yep, I'm talking to you who struggle with restricted food rules, chronic dieting, yo-yo diets, emotional eating, and other issues that consume your life, your joy, and your peace. So get your comfy pants on, like I did. And get ready for some real talk about this journey, real nutrition information, and some real solutions so you can live a life in true food freedom and faith. Hello and welcome back. As I mentioned in the introduction, we all have areas that we know are causing problems in our walk with the Lord, in our relationships, and even in our own daily personal lives. And we know that a deep change is needed. We've read scripture enough to know that the truths of how we're meant to walk and meant to live, they're not always apparent in our lives. Somehow it's just not happening all the time. Well, let me just break into this thought for just a minute to explain something. If you've been listening to this podcast you've heard that our eating, our weight issues, our yo-yo dieting and body shame are not really an issue of food or eating primarily, not really those issues in themselves, no man. There's something or many somethings underlying the problem. And again, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that that problem is the heart. Our thoughts, our desires, our will, are deeply rooted inside of us and kind of sneaky and hidden, even from ourselves. And these are collectively what's referred to as the heart, the deepest essence of who we are. Jeremiah 17, 9 actually says that the heart's deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Yeah, so when we hear that we have a good heart or he has a good heart or she has a good heart, that's not actually scriptural. Scripture says the exact opposite. In our nature, our heart is deceitful. It's desperately sick, and we really can't quite grasp an understanding of it. Again, the heart consists of our thoughts, our goals, our motives, our wills, our ambitions, our desires. These are what propel us. These are what drive us. They can even be somewhat consuming us. But you also know that Our hearts were born in and continually affected by sin. And our sinful hearts, in turn, are what cause our thoughts, emotions, and actions to result in sin. So again, it's those motivating factors of the heart, will, um, ambitions, thoughts, that in turn cause emotions, cause action, and propel further thoughts of sin. Mark 7 in verses 21 to 23 actually say, for from within, out of the heart of man come the evil thoughts, come sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. So The sin and the problems in our heart don't come from external sources, from other people or our situations. It's actually being stirred up from what's already inside of us. Our hearts are what lead us to many of our problems, many of the problems we talk about here in regard to body image or a desperate need to lose weight or a lifestyle of poor relationship with food and yo-yo dieting. Think about how some hidden, deep sins within our hearts can lead us to care more about what other people think, than about living to glorify God alone. Such sins as pride or idolatry of others' opinions or certainly gluttony, selfishness, Um, if this sounds shocking to you, I do understand. I completely understand. It was shocking to me at one point as well. But I asked you to go through the previous podcasts and break these down gently and a little more thoroughly so you can have a more accurate picture of what's going on here. So all this means that in order for me to have a fundamental change from my enslaving behaviors, my enslaving thoughts, my enslaving habits, I must need what? A heart change, right? I need a way for my whole inner being to change. Well, sisters, this is absolutely true and is the reason that the first and most important step for change It's not actually an act of your will, but it's a rescue. I'll explain that after this break. You've heard me talk about dealing with the deeper heart issues that can lead to all kinds of disordered behaviors, including disordered eating. But How do you know if you are dealing with heart issues Well, in the March 2022 newsletter, you can find your own assessment based on just four quick questions to find out where your heart may be and if there's something that you need to deal with, with the Lord. Simply go to truefoodfreedomandfaith.com and sign up for your monthly newsletter. Link in the show notes. We are back and we're going to dive right into that first and most critical step of lasting change. It is a change of you, you from the inside out, a change of heart, and it comes not from within yourself. It's a gift from God, and it comes to you in a message we always summarize as the gospel. You've heard me use the term a lot, but we're going to break that down a little bit and explain what is the gospel. So yes, the first step for deep, lasting change is to know and to understand and to receive the truths Found in the gospel. Only this message of what God has done can and will make you new from the inside out. Pretty cool. It's the powerful scalpel in the hands of a great physician, God, to remove that death and despair that control the hearts and the actions of all mankind. It is the power of the gospel that Paul talks about. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Okay. So the gospel is the power of God. God works through that very powerfully to save for salvation. Also, the gospel is what makes us new. The gospel makes us new creatures from the inside out in Christ. So both knowing And believing in the message of the gospel is what renews your being, makes you new. It makes you a new creation with a new heart. It's why it's called being reborn. It assures you that you are a child of the only God who put his spirit in you to grow you to be like Christ throughout the rest of your life on earth. And it promises that you can have eternal life with God instead of what you and I really deserve. Which is damnation for all of our heart and all of our behavior sins. All of that wickedness that's already in our hearts since birth. To know the power of the gospel, you have to understand several things. We all have to understand several things. One, we were spiritually dead since birth because our nature was one of outright rebellion toward God. You know, that sounds kind of crazy when you think about, well, how can a baby? Babies don't have sin. And there is a false teaching out there that babies are just a blank slate. And if they do uh, wrong over time or their hearts get wicked over time, it's due to influences around them. But really think about that. Just think of a child that you know and that you love so much. Did you actually have to teach him or her to sin? No, of course not. It's all of our natural state. As soon as there's a challenge to meet or a rule to break, they will be tempted to do it. You've seen it. I've seen it. It's our natural state of spiritual deadness. (laughs) So that's the first thing that we really all need to understand. We were born spiritually dead and have lived spiritually dead since birth. We have no spiritual life. Two, we have since then deliberately, deliberately gone against our consciences, countless times in our lives, so many times. Just think, how many times have you lied? How many times have you done something that you know was wrong? And you know someday you got to pay the piper. That's just part of our consciences. Well, the payment of our sin, each sin, one sin, is death on earth and eternity in hell. Because God is perfect and perfectly just. And he just cannot be with sin. He can't even look on sin. Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 3 tells us that you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, that leaves no room for excusing anyone from what I'm talking about. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were dead in our rebellious nature and going against the consciences that God gave us. And we lived to carry out the desires of our body and our flesh and our mind and what we wanted and without a care of what God wanted. Therefore, by nature, we're children of God's wrath, like the rest of mankind that's everyone, that's us, that's me, that's you. But number three, and we must get this right, we deserve to live for an eternity in hell, in punishment for hating a holy God, that holy God who gave us life and breath and love and family and flowers and food and all good things. We have lived a life of hate towards him. We have thumbed our nose at him day in and day out for as many days as we've been alive. And number four, hear this. Hear the kindness and love of a God that we have scorned. Ready? It comes out in two words, but God. But God. The two most unfathomable words in the English language put together. But God made a way for me, for you, for us to instead be forgiven of all our sins, what? And live under his loving care for eternity in heaven simply because of his love for us. He provided a way. Ephesians 2, 4 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. And we're going to revisit this in a minute. Number five, this is also important to know, and it is not a popular teaching, but it is scriptural truth. He made one way, one way to be reconciled to him and have a right standing and forgiveness in him. He made one way and all, 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 everyone who comes to him this way will receive this amazing gift of forgiveness and life and rebirth. We get it all simply because he's offered it and we're receiving it. But remember, God is perfect in justice, so he cannot just ignore sin because justice demands right punishment. This is a misunderstanding people may have. Well, if God is so loving, why doesn't he just forget the sin? Well, I heard Ray Comfort say this before, and I just love it. If you were in court and somebody had done something very bad to your mom, would it be just for the judge to just dismiss it without punishment? Well, of course not. Because God is perfectly just, justice demands right punishment. So there had to be a punishment for my sins and for your sins and my lifetime of rebellion against this God who gave me life and everything. So what was that justice? Where did that punishment go? Well, our loving God spared his own son, his own son, who is God, to come to earth, live a perfectly and sinless life the only one who's ever lived without deserving death or wrath, and then be the voluntary substitute for that wrath, for that punishment on my behalf, on your behalf. This is Jesus Christ. So let's talk about Jesus. Number eight, he was tortured and killed so that all who come through this way, this one way provided by confession of their sins and turning away from them to receive that spiritual rebirth in eternal life. And again, remember new hearts, meaning desires that now hate the chains and hate the sin and hate the rebellion against God and live to serve God with joy and peace. If you can imagine. Well, point number nine, It's important also that you remember that Jesus died a real death. He was a real man who really lived historically on this earth. He died a real death under brutal Roman rule, and they knew how to kill, and they knew how to torture. They were quite good at it. He came to live in the flesh as a man on the earth. He suffered. He died. But he rose to life again and returned to God the Father's side. He did all the work. We couldn't. We couldn't pay for our own sins. But he did. He did all the work and he got all of the punishment that I deserve, that you deserve. Now, what do we get in return? The hell and wrath our hatred of God deserves? Nope. Nope. So we started reading this passage. So let me finish here. When I said... That even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together, the Christ? Well, the rest of the verse goes like this. By grace, you have been saved and raised up together with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So number 11, yes, you're hearing this right. He got our deserved punishment. We shared in his deserved reward and he got our punishment his earned right standing before the Father God, his earned inheritance of all blessings and goodness and peace and eternal joy, we get, we get a true forever relationship with the one who created the heavens and the earth and all that is seen and unseen. We get his spirit then working in us all the remainder of our lives on earth and we get to be with him forever in his loving care. Um what is better than that? What desire do we have that trumps that? Well, unfortunately, not all want to come to God through this one way that he graciously, mercifully, sacrificially, and lovingly provided. Many will choose the chains and the bondage and the eternal death instead. And those of us who do come to him in repentance and faith in Jesus for the payment and forgiveness of our sins, don't do it by being better than other people or being holier or even better than we once were. We don't get there that way. We don't get there by doing good works and tilting the balance in our favor, tilting the scale in our favor. We don't do it by earning credit. We can't. We can't. We were spiritually dead, remember? We can't muster up any amount of holiness to please God. It's only a gift, a gift of God for us to understand and to respond to this gift. Again, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 say, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works. Why? Well, so no one may boast. This is God's gift alone, and it glorifies Him alone not us. We could not pull ourselves up by our bootstraps for spiritual life. Only God could provide this and only he did. So say you're hearing this for the first time. What do you need to do to partake of this incredible offer of love and grace? Well, what you do is to believe its truth. And you come to God in repentance. That means confession of your sins, sorrow for your sin, and turning away. I don't want that. I want to turn away. And you acknowledge how badly you need to be saved. You need the Savior, Jesus Christ. Trust that Jesus has paid that penalty for your sinful life. I know it sounds too good to be true, but it is truly true. And you need to trust that you can be forgiven and you will be forgiven completely And freed from the powerful bondage of sin. Because sin is a bondage. It's a ruler. It reigns. But God cuts that bondage. Cuts those chains. You turn to God and you determine to live for your new Lord. And that, my friends, is what we call the gospel. So obviously it's quicker to just say the gospel when talking about this often but it's really critically important that we make this really clear what the gospel is too that whole message and there's even a lot more that could be said could be summed up in the term the gospel so i'm happy to leave this episode right there and have you think hard on these scriptural truths before we dig into how this works in your daily living because i know we start out by talking about how do you change well what's a bigger change than this first of all but next week After you've mulled this over, after you've thought hard on these, hopefully after you've received this truth and repented and come to the Lord and received him as your Savior, received his forgiveness and cleansing and freedom, then you come back and we're going to discuss how knowing and receiving this amazing message, summarized as the gospel, which you've just heard, actually works change in you. We heard today how it changes your nature, your heart, your eternity, your standing before a mighty, just, and powerful God. We'll come back next week to hear how the gospel also then leads you to live and work out the day-to-day problems that we struggle with on earth and makes the changes that are deep and true and lasting to glorify God. Now, If you'd like to get in touch with me about anything you've heard here, Please feel free to submit a question or comment at truefoodfreedomandfaith.com or by joining our private community by searching for True Food, Freedom, and Faith Facebook group. The links for both of these can be found in the show notes. So until next time, let's remember 1 Corinthians ten thirty one. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God as he is the only one who deserves it. Amen. I'll see you soon.